Merry Christmas in July. <laughs> I know we're supposed to be celebrating the Christmas in July today, and, and I think it's kind of a cool thing. The guy kind of brought some cloud cover today. It's a little bit cooler, horribly humid, humid though, but it seems like God has given us this little gift of a, a little brevity, a little brief window of coolness in the midst of the summer. I think celebrating Christmas in July is kind of a cool thing because I think we lose sight of its importance. I think we lose sight of the meaning or the reason that God came. And he came to share of how much he loves us. I think so often during Christmas, too, that we forget that the, the greatest gift we should be focusing on is not the one under the tree, but the one that Jesus gave so many years ago. So this morning I want to take a look at something, one of the gifts that, that God has given us. I want us to take a look at the a different kind of life that he allows us to live because he is who he says he is and he does what he promises to do. Really, I think that's the miracle of Christmas too. He made a promise way back in the day that he's going to send one to overcome Satan and all of his minions. He would crush Satan's head and though his heel be struck as the death on the cross shows, he would be victorious. And so we don't anymore have to fear Satan or death or hell or any of those things because we have Jesus. He says, I love you and I forgive you. But there's a different kind of life that he offers us as a result. A different way of living. A way of living above average. How many of you guys love living average lives? Show of hands. Average lives. You're like, I'd love to get to average. That would be fantastic. But the reality is most of us want a little bit more than average. I'll say this. Average is living a life without God. And so often we get to a place in our lives where we can't do anymore. We can't do any extra things to make certain things happen. I can't heal my cancer. I can't take a tumor out of my kid's head. I can't fix my job. I can't fix those relationships in my life. If it's all dependent on me, we get to a place where it's just pretty frustrating or, dare I say, hopeless at different times of our life. And so living above average just from the very beginning is this idea of living with God in our life who makes a difference, who is the most powerful entity in this whole universe. And to do this, I'm not going to take a look at Jesus this morning, although he'll be part of this. I want to take a look at a guy named Jabez. Hence the very short text that was read, which is a, a payoff for all the long ones that I've given recently. But Jabez was a guy that you find in First Chronicles. And as you're looking for Jabez, you'll, you'll be looking through 600 different names. And you'll find that there's just a list of, it's just a bunch of genealogies. And you're reading through it. If, how many of you ever read through First Chronicles? Okay, more of you need to read through it. Although, chapter 9 you're going to skim because it's just a bunch of names. And then all of a sudden you come to Jabez... And God gives two verses. Now, two verses doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it's almost like God says, I want to I make notice of this man. I, I want to bring some distinction on him. Because in 600 different generations, he drew focus to Jabez and his life. Right in the middle of 600 names, God spingles out one man for special recognition, and that catches my attention, partly because as you're reading through names, it's kind of boring, and so when he talks about somebody, you get excited. God singles them out right in the middle of all these names. Now, there's only two verses again on this guy. But he gets two verses where 600 generations of men and women only got nothing, just their names being mentioned. And it starts, you start asking, why is, why is that? Why is this guy so special? What made him so unusual that God singled him out? And in First Chronicles, there's just a thumbnail sketch about him, just two verses. But, but in these two verses, I think we learn a lot about, three, a lot about his life, three secrets, in fact, about his life, that, that when applied to your life, will help you live way above average. Now, there was a book about Jabez that came out a little bit back, uh, The uh, Prayer of Jabez. It's not a good book. It has a lot of faulty theology in it, which just means the way the book was read is if you do these things, you can't help but being blessed. They, 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 it's almost like a vending machine God. That's not the God that we have, but it's the way the book was read, written. 
But I want to take a look at this prayer today and see how we can apply it to our lives and the difference that it can make. In First Chronicles 4.9, I'll read it again. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, Because I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, and let your hand be with me, and keep me from harm, so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. It's just these two verses in all of Scripture. But the prayer that he prayed gives us a lot of insight into his life and, and who he was and, and how he approached God, which is why he was signif- singled out amidst all those different names. And one of the things that we learn about Jabez from this prayer is this, that we need, all of us need a great ambition for our life. And let me define that just a little bit. A great ambition is having more than you can do in your life. So often I think we limit life to what we can accomplish or how smart we are or what strategies that we can employ And if we can't do it, we lose hope, we get frustrated, we get scared, we get all those different things. Having a greater ambition for your life is wanting that something more. Again, it could be that healed child, it could be a healed relationship, it could be a healed work environment, whatever it might be. While Jabez's friends were satisfied with being just average, Jabez said, Lord, I want you to do something significant in my life. I want you to bless me, I want you to enlarge my territory. He's saying, basically, I, I don't just want to be an ordinary guy. I, I just don't want to go through things on my own power. He wanted to expand, to grow, to enlarge my territory, to expand my vision, to deepen my dream, to give me a goal, to make me something above the ordinary. He says, I, I want you to do something special and great in my life. And all of us have had those areas of our life where we need God, want God desperately to, to intervene. We want those things to be above where they are. But most of all, he wanted God's blessing more deeply in his life. I think most people, and you can judge on this, but I think go through life just kind of drifting. I think all of us do at different points in our life. We just kind of drift through three weeks and we wonder where they went. We get so caught up in the day-to-day, we get so caught up in the worries or the anxieties or the stresses or with work, and we just lose seasons of our life because we're just drifting through. We have no goals, no purpose, no aim, no desires other than just maybe just to get through. We just float with the crowd. But Jabez says, that, man, God, I don't want it to be that way. I want my life to be more, more purposeful, more meaningful, more, more of you in it. I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to stretch me. I want you to do something that you've never done before. God, do it in my life. Because great men and great women are simply ordinary people with great thoughts and great dreams and great ambitions and great ideas. And if you want to be like Jabez, you need to say, Lord, enlarge my territory. Bless me. God, I want you to do something significant in my life. I'm willing. God, give me that ambition. And so the question really comes to you, what is it that you're trusting God for right now in your life? I ask that seriously because I think so often, I don't know if there's anything. What are you actually trusting him for, counting on him for, needing him to do? Something that you've prayed more than twice or three weeks on. What is it that you're actually trusting him for in your life? Part of our getting through the summer doldrums, getting through the doldrums of our spiritual life is expecting more from God, taking that little ball or that whatever that we trust him for, forgiveness maybe, heaven maybe, and enlarging that to something more in our life. So one of the first things he says is we need to have a greater ambition than just the average. And then he goes on and says you also need a growing faith, which makes sense. It's interesting, but in these two verses we notice a couple of things about this man. 
the first place, we notice that there's no mention made of any special abilities in his life. No talent, no gift. It doesn't say that he was educated. It doesn't say that he was wealthy or had any unusual abilities. He was just a common man with an uncommon faith in God, an uncommon trust in God. There used to be a song that said God used ordinary people, and I, I think that's true. There's something more important than ability in our life, more than talent, more than education, more than gifts, more than background, and it's faith. This ability to trust in God for that something more. If you want to see miracles in your life, you've got to get out of the boat. The only way you're going to get out of the boat is if you trust that he'll sustain you. And all kinds of super talented people as a result that are sitting on the sidelines of life because they don't believe that God can do that something more. And so they wait and they go through the motions. In fact, I believe there's three kinds of people in this life. I think there's accusers, I think there's excusers, and I think there's choosers. Excusers are people that make excuses for everything. I just couldn't do any better. I did my best. They make excuses for not really believing that God can come through. Accusers are people who blame others. It's all their fault. If I'd had a better situation, I could have been somebody. You know, If I'd had a better environment, if I'd had a, more of a chance, and they blame the situation, they blame other people, they blame everything in life, that explains why they are where they are. That's the victim mentality, a very unhealthy and sad way to live. But choosers are people that, that make it in life. They choose to believe in God for more. They choose to, to move ahead in spite of difficulties, which life is, just promises to bring, and hang-ups and labels and problems and the like. And that's what made Jabez's life so great. He says, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to enlarge my territory. And so, God, I'm going to believe in you because, you know what, I can't, I can't do it by myself. And there's a third thing, too, that we learn, and that's that he had a genuine prayer life. I think this is probably the most important thing. You see, ultimately, Jabez was honored by God simply because he prayed. I was talking to somebody. I think the difficulty with prayer so often is we love it when he says yes. We would pray all the time if he always said yes. Or would we? I don't know. I, I pray a lot, and, and he answers a lot of yeses in my life. He's, he's healed my daughter from a brain tumor. Uh, we've prayed over people in this congregation. I've seen them healed from back, from, from internal struggles, from, from anxiety, from, from all sorts of different things. It's, it's extraordinary. But every once in a while, he'll say, not yet. And every once in a while, he'll say no. And I think it's in those not yets and no's that we struggle so much, isn't it? We've been praying for a Levitt's building. How many of you guys have been praying for a Levitt's building? We're in second place again, so it's very sad. But the reality is, that's a curveball again. It's a, maybe it's a, I view it as a not yet. And then I guess just to give it a little commercial in the midst of this, so as a result of being second place in the Levitz thing, uh, the building committee has decided to do two things. We're going to continue to look, but we're also going to go and start the first phases of building on our site, uh, phase one. Uh, this, we met with the city, and they're going to allow us to add 2,000 square feet, and that allows us to do the segments of the parking lot and on-site and off-site work in sections. And so that should give us a, a dramatic difference in the front end of our facility, which would be just awesome, and some extra square feet. So it's, it's just great. If God gives us something in the meantime, we'll certainly look at that as well. But, um, so that's the commercial. You all know where we are. Pray accordingly. Okay. But in that, no or not yet. So you've been praying for Levis Building didn't come through. You've been praying for your, for your kids to make better decisions, but they're not making them yet. You've been praying for your spouse, for you and him to get closer together, but it's just not there. You're in the not yet. And you wonder sometimes, when do I know it's a no 
if, if I just don't know? Gal was talking to me this week about that very thing. She goes, how do I know when it's a no? I say, well, if you're praying to marry a certain guy and he marries somebody else, then it's a no, right? And there's certain things in life that are like that. We just kind of go, okay, you know, the season is closed. But there's a lot of other things that I think it boils down to this question. How much does it matter about what you're praying to you? In this case, she was praying for her child to get better. Been praying a lot. Child is not getting better. She's very... Concern, and she goes, well, how do I know when it's just no? I said, and she goes, what would you do? I said, I'd pray for the rest of my life that my child would get better, that God would take that not yet, and he'd turn it into a yes. And if I pray my whole life and he doesn't, then I'll die and I'll find out why in heaven. He made it a no. And the thing about God's no's is that they're always better. They're, they always have the, the good of us and our loved ones in mind. God works all things for the good of those who love him. It's an extraordinary thing. But what I discovered in the midst of that conversation was there's very few things I will pray unceasingly about. I I say this and I'm ashamed to say it. There's very few things. I I realize that my family's in there, in this little circle that I draw. I'll pray unceasingly about them and I'll do it over and over and over. Half the time I don't make it into the circle. Half the time the church doesn't make it into the circle. I realize that my care for things is so centered that that's one of the big reasons I see miracles in this small area, but not in the larger area. And what I've realized is I have to enlarge that circle of things that I pray unceasingly about, that I don't give up on so early. And I share that just to to be a little bit vulnerable, but also because I don't think I'm so much different than everybody else in here. In fact, sometimes I wonder in talking to people if there's anything even in the circle if you'll trust God with anything. And so my encouragement as we pray through these different things, as we look at Jabez's prayer life, that, man, you put more stuff in that circle that you're going to give to God and trust him for. And in those not yet answers, and there will be some in your lives, that if there's more things in the circle, there's more things that you'll keep on praying and praying and praying until God turns those not yets into yeses. My grandma, who's an amazing prayer warrior, prayed for 30 years for my aunt to come back to faith. My aunt came back to the church. Now we're working on her kids, you know. What's in that circle? Just a question. As we look at the the prayer that Jabez prayed, we notice that he made three requests that God answered, um, allowing him to live a life that was above average, right? Life with more and more of God God in it. And one of the first things he did is he prayed. He prayed for God's power in his life, and we all need that. He says, God, I want you to bless me. I want your power in my life. I want to live above average. And he knew if he wanted to get there, he needed God's power to accomplish his dream. He couldn't do it all on his own, so he needed God. And he was very specific about it, wasn't he? Wasn't he? he said, I want you to give me more real estate. And I always thought that was kind of a funny prayer. Uh, all more real estate. And yet, I thought that was funny until recently when we were actually praying that very same thing. We, we want more real estate. I've always prayed, give us more space. And my prayer is still that God would give us more space at the time that we need it, that God would provide it. And I, I still am counting on him to do that, and I know he'll provide a way. Whether it's here or whether it's someplace else, God is good. But that was, go- that was Jabez's goal. Give me more real estate. And he had a very clear goal. It was a very specific goal, and that's what he prayed. He says, God, I want you to expand my real estate holdings. And my question is, is that the way you guys are praying? Do you pray that specifically? Do you pray about your goals? Do you get specific about telling God exactly what you would like him to do in your life? Do do you talk to the Lord about your business? If you're in a business, do you pray, God, expand my business? If not, maybe 
why it's not expanded. Do you pray, Lord, bless my home life? And do you get specific about it? Do you say, God, help me be a greater, stronger, more committed husband or dad or son or neighbor? Are you that specific? Because that's what Jabez was when he prayed. He says, God, I want you to enlarge my territory. And it's so important that we get more specific with God. I think half the time when we pray, we don't even know if he answers it because we've been so nebulous about it. God, bless me. Well, persecution is a blessing sometimes. You want that? No, none of us want that. And so what do we learn from all this? We learn that God dares us to ask him for a great request. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, God is able to do far more than we could ever dare think or imagine. And to be honest, I can imagine some pretty big things. I've got a real vivid imagination, right? And yet God gives us this challenge in the midst of that. He says, you think of the greatest way I could bless your life, and I can top it. Think of, it. Think of the greatest thing he could do for your life right now. And God says, I can do something more. Over 20 times in the New Testament, in case we would miss that, we are commanded by the scriptures to ask God for things. Over and over, it says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Whatsoever things you pray, believe, and you will receive them, and you shall have them. If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. You have not because you ask not. Ask that your joy may be full. Over and over again, the words used to describe prayer in the New Testament are all-encompassing words, right? They're limitless terms. They're like blank checks. And God says, you know what? You get to decide how much I bless your life. According to your faith, your trust in me, it will be done unto you. He's saying you get to decide. So again, I'll ask you, how much, to be honest, how much are you trusting God with right now? The not yet's and the no's make it hard, don't they? But I'll just share with you. I prayed for my daughter to have a tumor removed. It was taken away. I prayed for people to get jobs. I prayed for healing, and, and God's blessed it. Ninety percent of the prayers we pray on Sunday morning are answered exactly the way they're written. God does extraordinary things all the time. My prayer is that you don't get caught up in the not yet, but that you pray through it. But the only way we're going to do that is by enlarging that circle of things that really matter to us. Jabez's prayer for God was also included in his presence in his life. In verse 10 it says, I want you to bless me. I want you to enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. He said, basically, God, I want you to be with me as I go through life. Why? Well, it's just so hard. He told us that he's in pain. I want your presence to be with me in my work and in my career and my life, my family. I want you to be with me. Do we pray that? God, I want more of you in my life. Why do we pray those kind of things? Because the larger the territory increases, the more responsibility you'll have. The more you have borders to defend, the growth, with growth comes additional pressure. With success comes additional problems. You have problems when you're successful, they're just different ones. They're bigger because you have more responsibility. The larger the territory, the more enemies that you will acquire. The closer you grow with the Lord, the more Satan's going to get upset. In fact, I've been a Christian now for over 43 years. And I've discovered that the longer you're a Christian and the closer that you grow with Christ, the more it upsets Satan and the more he will try to attack you. In other words, it's, being hard, it's hard being a Christian. Does anybody disagree with that, that it's hard being a Christian? It, it is brutal. If, you, if you're trusting the Lord, Satan will try to do everything he can to destroy that trust. And so being a Christian is not for weak-willed people. It's for people who are willing to make a commitment and, and stick to it. It's hard doing that, isn't it? To do the right things as we go through life. People are really crappy and driving on the road right now because it's hot. To do the right things, to not gesture back, to let people in, to 
I'm just talking about driving. To be honest, we stink at doing the right things most of the time. And we're all in church, and we all love Jesus, and we all know the right from the wrong. But it's a struggle as we go through life. And it's even harder, this trust thing, and we've talked about it, to trust God for things that we can't control, but that's what the trust comes in. That's where we see the miracles. Sadly, I think most of us, we just get so caught up in our own habits and the works of the flesh that the devil doesn't have to really bother with us too much. I think most of the time, seeing senses, general demons or whatever, after the big highfalutin people in Christianity, the Bill Hybels types, you know, those kind of people that seem to have it all together, whether they do or not, I don't know. But from us, most of the time, and I'm saying us corporately, you individually are awesome, don't do anything wrong, but corporately, we're kind of messed up. With us, I think he sends his corporal demons, his private demons, just to kind of push us sometimes because I think we get into enough messes all by ourselves. But hear me say this, the closer you get to God, the greater the warfare you're going to have in your life. And so you need God's power and you need his presence. And lastly, what Jabez prayed is you need God's protection in your life. He says, Lord, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What kind of pain was it? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But he said, Lord, I I want your protection in my life. I I need you to keep me from harm. Why? Because the bigger you get, the more critics you're going to have, the more people that will be against you. And Jabez knew that with God's power and with his presence and with his protection, there was nothing he needed to fear in life. Think about the last time you were afraid. It's because you forget these things. And when you combine the powerful forces of a great ambition and a growing faith in a genuine prayer life, you can be sure that you'll stand out in the crowd, right? That you'll live an above-average life because you have more of God in your life. Out of 600 names in all of the First, first Chronicles, Jabez gets an honorable mention. Why? Because he relied completely upon his Lord. He knew he was sinful. He knew his gifts were limited. But he also knew that without God, there's no hope at all, which in our culture today is a pretty standard position. That's why suicides are skyrocketing. But Jabez shows us, and God says there is another way. A way to forgiveness, a way to begin again, a way to find strength, a way to find prosperity in life, a way to live above average. What is that way? It's the way of Jesus, who says to all who believe in him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And all God's people said, Amen.